Hello and welcome to another late night latte on Latte Firm. And of course, as usual, I am late. Although this time, I'm going to blame it on Yem. More about that later. Uh, Arsenal have beaten Fulham by two goals to one and we make it four wins out of four and we are top of the league, nice and clear. What a great feeling. Uh, thanks for joining everybody. There's over, over 100 of you in the chat already. As per normal, please do drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new and let's grew, get through some of the greetings. Barry, Sebastian, good night FK and tonight's guests. Hopefully you're sticking around Barry and hopefully that's just a nice, nice way of saying good evening. Uh, Anthony, here we go. I think that's transfer news coming in from P Smitty. Um, Henkeho, hello to FK, the man and Snackmeister and Yemba Yemba with the big smile. Good to be back on a Sunday night. There is a special guest and there is also a debut for a new firm ultra, which we will introduce in just a, uh, in just a short while. Um, as I keep throwing, go through, the, there's lots of talk about Anthony and, and conversation about Elneny, which we'll get on to. Uh, Femi Council, evening FK. Welcome uh, back, Femi. It's nice to hear from you. I know you've been watching uh, over the months, uh, lots of conversation about parties. I'm kind of scrolling through. Freddie P, evening FK. Couldn't make the space earlier, but always appreciate late night latte anybody on twitter if you're unfamiliar with the uh, twitter account get following in on latte firm we do post-match phone-ins if you like where we talk about the arsenal game and it's uh, an hour and a half two hours of really good discussion i try and get through as many people as i can from around the world and we basically talk about arsenal and they are flying off the shelf immensely immensely popular lots of conversations about anthony we might talk about united as we get towards the end dylan xd what's up what's up dylan good to see you uh, join the chat arsenal granny hello fk in chat guna are on fire absolutely we absolutely are nikomo fk 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 I have no idea what that's all about uh but i'll take it i'll take the happy faces with tears it's all good uh right i'm gonna bring in our late night latte regular yembele how are you my man i'm terribly sorry i, I do apologize we are for, late, for so apologize late. to the watching to the watching hundreds i do now. apologize uh, it was actually my wife my wife couldn't operate the tv so she needed my help so it's it's just not good enough yem just not I good know. enough it, it, honestly in terms, of content tonight, yeah. in terms of content tonight, yeah, we're obviously going to talk about our win last night. The Celebration mm -hmm. Police, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray yes. really laying into the Arsenal fans. Uh, Mikel Arteta is a centurion, 100 Premier League games up for the gaffer. We'll talk about how he's sort of done. And then a quick update on the departure lounge. And of course, as you can see across the banner, uh, we've got a guest, Alan, who is a Fulham fan and writer. And we'll bring him in just to, after we've introduced our next guest, uh, who is a special guest. It's a latte firm debut for our good friend, Kate. Kate, welcome to the firm. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Good. It's a pleasure to have you on. And of course, I want to get all your thoughts about Arsenal and the game and Mikel Arteta, as you can see the content coming along the bottom. Anybody who wants to follow Kate, her handle is at CakeLH. Any mean towards that, Kate, that user handle? Just that Kate sounds like cake. That's all there is to it. <laughs> and, and talking of cake, Yem, what's the snack check tonight? I'm not, I know Henrik's going to want to know. Chili, chili lemon, lemon chili lemon curls. Do you know what they have? They've diminished in their spiciness over the years. They've still still got a little bit enough. They've got enough. I have, it's what I found in the cupboard. I've I been like eating it. way too much today. We had a barbie. I did a barbecue earlier, and it oh, just like I do. Right. You know, I do, I do I do levels of stuff, and it was a bit too much today. Uh, sweet munchkin says, "OMG, Yem, yes," and that is because Yemen is back. Uh, he's fit, he says. Uh, I'm, <laughs> mate, I don't know how much you're paying your mate to be doing that. Andy Love, it's my birthday. 
could you put the phone in on YouTube later as a recording? It says phone in actually on Twitter space. It's available on the timeline. You can do that uh, yourself, Andy, but I will help you if you need any uh, help on that later. Uh, SEO says hello. All. Lots of nice readings coming in. Um, before we talk about all the Arsenal related stuff, I thought, guys, we would get a Fulham fan to come and talk about their perspective on Arsenal, but of course their perspective on the game. So without further ado, a very warm latte firm welcome to Alan of at Hammy End. Alan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, I'm really sorry to kind of bring you on after the game. Normally, I get guests to talk about the game beforehand, so you're not either, you know, gloating in our faces or you're not too sort of upset. How are you feeling today about the game last night? I was all right when I left the ground yesterday. Um, I thought, you know, we'll take the 2-1. We don't, we, we weren't expecting anything anyway, to, let's be honest. Um, but the way the game played out, you know, we could take the 2-1, but the, the more the night went on, the more frustrated I got at the fact that we just we just couldn't hold on for the point. Um, but overall, we made a good start um, and going to somewhere like Arsenal that's flying at the moment and giving it a good go, we've got to be proud of the performance that we put in yesterday. And talking of starts, you've had a really good start to this Premier League season, of course, taking points off Liverpool as well. And Mitrovic is just in a, in a real rich vein of form. When you went 1-0 up, did you begin to get carried away? Did you think... This is it. We're, we're 25 minutes, half an hour away from a win at the Arsenal. And it's a place where, you know, I don't want to remind you, but you've not won in 30 games. So it, it, was there that moment where you thought, yes, tonight's tonight? Maybe for a split second. Um, but then reality, the rea reality check kicked in. It's, like, it's, it's not going to happen. Is it? We don't win at places like Arsenal. Um, but no, for the, for the odd, what, 10 minutes, I think it was, it was nice to be winning. Um, it did silence the crowd just a little bit. Um, but look, it is what it is. And if anything, the goal that Mitrovic scored sort of made Arteta and Arsenal have one way of playing from then on. It was to take a few more risks um, and just go for it because, you know, you're 1-0 down and you needed to, to get the three points, which ultimately you did. You talk about, um, obviously, the atmosphere. Um, there's been a lot made about Arsenal and the celebration police, which we'll cover more in the show later for viewers. But from a Fulham fan perspective, you were at the game. What was the atmosphere like at the Emirates? I mean, presumably you're the sort of chap who's been going to Arsenal for maybe a number of years. I mean, did you feel it any different? Was it more vibrant, more loud, more sort of explosive than, than ever before? It was certainly different. Um, I've been to the Emirates about six, seven times, and it's probably the loudest I've heard it. Um, especially when the goals did go in. Um, there was a different feel inside the stadium that the fans were more together. Um, I had no problems with the celebrations. You know, you pay your hard-earned money to go and watch your team you love, team you support, you know, celebrate how you want. I do think uh, Richard Keyes and uh, I can't think of the other chap that Andy hosted Gray. it. That's the one. Um, I thought they went a bit OTT and were a bit harsh on the Arsenal fans in general. But, you know, if you can't enjoy a win than what you're doing following your football team. Yeah, quite right. And of course, you know, Kate and Yem, I'm going to get your thoughts on that in just a second also, because there is a dedicated segment of tonight's show on the celebration, please. And of course, anybody in the chat, get your comments to the panel. Um, you've talked about the performance and obviously, you know, you sort of went there sort of hopeful and it, of course it wasn't meant to be. Where does it leave Fulham now, Alan? I mean, what's your, what's your hope for the season? Is it about survival respectfully or do you think you can go higher? It's about finishing 17th, and that's just me being brutally honest. I think if any team that comes up from the championship, the first thing you want to do is survive, and anything anything else is a bonus. You know, 17th is what we're all hoping for. We've just got to try and finish above three teams that are worse than us come the end of May. 
Um, but if we can finish 16th, 15th, as I said, it is a bonus. But you now it's four games in. I suppose you look at Liverpool and Arsenal and go, well, they're, they're bonus games because they're not the teams that you need to beat to survive. Um, let's be honest, they are bonus games. So the way we are at the moment, we're probably one point, of, one point ahead of where we should be. You know, we drew with Liverpool first game of the season. We beat Brentford, drew away to Wolves, which is no easy feat in itself. Um, and we just look forward to Tuesday now. We've got Brighton at home, who are exceptional at the minute. And then we play um, the other team in North London on Saturday. The other team, yeah. You know your audience, <laughs> mate. I love it. I love it. Um, can, can and I, I suppose just... Go on, Yim. So when Fulham came up last time, they spent mm. 100 million, which was at that point, you know, nowadays, look at Nottingham Forest, they're just spending that much already. Mm. But obviously, you bought in a completely new team. Does it feel different this time? Because it feels like it's a bit more of a, a careful build-up rather than a, we'll just buy whoever we can find on the market. See, I think the pandemic um, sort of, it's sort of confused a few people because we, when we spent 100 million, it was the first time we come up under under the cans. Mm. We'd been away for about four or five years. We came up, we did spend a lot, um, but I, I feel we needed to. Um, but the problem is we have a director of football that's more interested in, in the NFL and at the moment in wrestling. Um, and he, he does focus more on stats, but I think, when you have that way of thinking, it will only get you so far. His knowledge of football isn't that great, let's be honest. Um, and we probably made signings, which we shouldn't. Um, but the last time we came up was under Parker um, and we gave it a better go. With 10 games to go, I think we were one point off 17th. And the running we had, we still had the likes of Newcastle, who were struggling at the time, Burnley. We had enough games there to survive, but ultimately we didn't. Um, but this time round, under Silva, we look like more of a team. We look like we have an identity about us. And, uh, you know, yesterday we were playing with eight players that that sort of got us up last season. You know, and eight players from the championship shouldn't be going to places like the Emirates and competing for as long as we did. We are suffering with injuries ourselves. Um, Solomon and Wilson, who are our wingers, they're... They were injured in behind closed doors friendlies, which is frustrating for a club like us. Um, but no, I'm hopeful we can make a few more sign-ins between now and Thursday because we do need to. Um, but hopefully, you know, by the time the end of the season comes, we've done enough to stay up. Yeah, I, I, of course, I wish you the best as well. I mean, Craven Cottage is one of my favourite stadiums, actually. Uh, I, lo I love the, the the riverboat ride, yeah, which we've done a number of times, and it's a, it's a great stadium to go to. I mean, just before you leave us, Alan, mm. uh, what are your thoughts on Arsenal as a fan looking from the outside in, uh, as, as a non-Arsenal fan, sorry, I should say? You know, did you catch the All or Nothing series? Um, do you have any thoughts on Mikel Arteta and this process? And, you know, how do you think we're sort of being run? Just intrigued to get your thoughts. I, I'm a huge fan of Arteta, and I think anyone that's closely closely affiliated with someone like Pep Guardiola, you know, must be good at their job or must have knowledge about the game. Um, I think Arsenal are a bit like Man United at the moment. It was always going to take a period of time for a club to transition. You know, you had twenty odd years with Wenger, and in my opinion, I think he stayed a little bit too long towards the end of his time. Um, and then I think the next couple of managers were always facing an uphill task. But I have watched the All or, no or Nothing series and I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I think Arteta comes across well. I think he did the right thing in getting rid of Aubameyang. That's just my opinion. You may have other opinions. Um, but there is a process there. And I think from the outside looking in, 
I feel like you're getting somewhere. Um, I do think you've got a squad now, the likes of Sinchenko and Jesus, that are proven winners, that I think your squad has been lacking for some time. Um, I think Man City and Liverpool are just way ahead of everyone else. So effectively, it's like an 18-team league. But I think you fall into the bracket of, you know, you've got the likes of you, uh, Tottenham, Man United and Chelsea who are fighting for third and fourth. Um, but, you know, with a few more additions, like Tielemans, I think, has been mentioned for you guys and maybe one or two others, you can try and push the top two. But I think that will come more next season. But I think Arsenal are a club that you have a lot of followers from the outside. I don't think you're a club that's disliked by many. Um, and from a Fulham point of view, I wish you all the best for the season. And I hope you do manage to, to break into the top four and stay there for a long time because a club like Arsenal shouldn't be finishing fifth or sixth. They're too big of a club to be doing that. Oh, man, I'm, I'm beginning to like you a lot, Alan. <laughs> um, Al, just before you go, where can people find you if they're, if they're interested in reading more about Fulham and your sort of musings on the club? So we're on Twitter. Uh, it's The handle is at HammyEnd. We've just recently started doing podcasts ourselves, so we've come into the audio world. We do a few uh, interviews. We've done a, a match review about the game today, which is on there. So if you want to go over and listen to our thoughts on it, please do. But thank you for having me on, and I wish you all the best for the season. Thank you so much, Alan. And of course, you've got your video to record in about 10 minutes' time. But thanks so yes. much for joining us, Alan. We will see you later in the season. Uh, really appreciate that. Wow, what a start to the late night latte. Really nice to get thoughts from opposition fans and he was quite complimentary about Arsenal. Um, Kate, welcome again. Now we can sort of relax. The guest has gone and we can be back into sort of late night latte mode. Uh, did you get to the game, Kate, yesterday or did you watch from afar? No, I didn't. I had to watch from home yesterday, sadly. I wasn't able to be there. Um, but no, great game. Really, really it, happy it, with the result. It really was a great game. Watching it on TV, I mean, the atmosphere, a lot's been made of that. And Alan's just said that it's, it was probably a louder Emirates than he's sort of experienced over the last six, seven times that he's been. Did it feel like that watching it on TV? Like when we came out of the tube station, it was like a sea of red. There were chants from, you know, an hour before kickoff. It felt really vibrant to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that really stood out to me as well was after we went 1-0 down, the crowd really got behind the team. And I think Erdegaard mentioned it in a little video he did, uh, just sort of thanking the crowd for really upping that noise and, and getting behind the team. And clearly it has an impact as well. If, if Erdegaard was able to notice that, it's really good that that sort of had an effect on their game too. And we're going to talk about the Celebration Police, of course, as is being uh, rolled across your screen now as part of the ticker. Uh, let's go just to some more <laughs> greetings because there are lots of them coming through. Hi, Kate. Uh, Oase says, Oase, thanks so much for joining. I know you've been watching uh, Late Night Lattes for a long time. Thank you very much for that very kind greeting. Everybody, uh, Kate is, of course, making her debut tonight on The Latte Firm. Do follow. She is on Twitter at Cake. L for Lenny, H for Harry. Uh, Nuno Tavares is scored again. Freddie Paxton says he's just, yeah, can't stop scoring. I can see that. We'll talk about the loans, uh, loan guys in a minute. Lots of other further sort of nice greetings coming through. But let's go on to the slide deck. So as I clear my desktop and start this, I mean, Yem, um, going into the game, you were quite confident. And then, of course, we had the surprise team news that Sinchenko was going to miss. And also... Uh, Thomas Party was going to be missing from that from 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 the lineup. Uh, how did you feel about that? Because you changed your mind on the tube journey in, didn't you? No, because we got it in a weird way. We got it first. Party was going to be out, and we thought, oh, that's all right. We'll put Zinchenko in the midfield, and then Tierney Tierney will be the left back. That's fine. Then we heard Zinchenko is out as well, and we went, oh, 
So, okay, it's going to be an Enny and Tierney. And then you do slightly, you, you do not, I don't think I was, I didn't lose confidence. I thought it was going to be a slight, I think it's going to be a slightly different game, which it did. It, it turned out to be, I think Tierney's a fine replacement. I have no issues with that. And I've been defending him this morning around people saying, well, he's not, he had a poor game. I'm sorry. We have now in this position where we actually have a decent backup and we had a decent replacement rather than last season where we were struggling. We put the jacket to left back. So what would you prefer? An actual decent replacement in Tierney or putting a square peg in a round hole? I know what I prefer. So I was pretty okay with that. El Nini is represent. It's not his fault. He is act. No, I have no problem with Mo Nini in terms of his work rate and his desire. He is just what he is, a limited player. And that, and that showed in the game. And we'll go and talk about that in a bit. But it sh- it highlights a problem that we do have in that when Thomas Partey is missing, there is a genuine struggle to replace like for like. And we already knew this. We I think we've highlighted it on multiple occasions that when Partey is out, we lack a suitable replacement in the mid- in our midfield pool who's going to replace him or even come close to his ability. Molonini does the sixth screening job adequately but he's limited in his forward passing and the verticality he can do. And that's nothing against him. He's, you know, he's a fine squad player, good, and seems to be a good influence around dressing room. He is limited. And in a game like yesterday, which we'll talk about, it's, it, it, it did show a little bit. And we can go into that. I know well, people let, say let's, he's... Let, let's talk about Milnini now. And sorry, Kate, just to temporarily sort of cover you. I don't know why StreamYard doesn't move the, the images up, but... In opinions on on Mo Alneni seem to be quite split. I tweeted after the game saying that I can't believe Mo Alneni was on as long as he was, given that we were chasing the game and given that he's a very safe, very cautious, very sideways and backwards passer. I think I completely appreciate that he does a seven and a half, eight out of ten, like Trevor Bivens has just said in the chat. A lot of people saying that Alneni did his job. He's very good. We know what we get with him. He can keep the ball well, but you'd expect most average Premier League footballers to do that. But it's on the progressive side. You know, when Thomas Partey's there, he helps us in transition, helps us build attacks, helps us break the lines like he spots a pass from deep. And of course, Elneny can't do that. Now, people think I've been really critical of Mo Elneny, and I understand that he there are roles for players like him in the squad. But would you agree, Yem, or what would your thoughts be, Yem? And I'll come to you as well on this, Kate. Do you think not having a superior player to Elneny and Lukonga is going to cost us because when Xhaka or Party are missing, the drop in quality I think is quite significant. Yeah, I think it's the mo- we've talked about this multiple times. This is the most significant area of our squad that needs addressing now. And I know obviously it's probably going to need another window, but yesterday showed that. Again, I agree with you, Fies. Mo Nene is a fine seven point five player. We know what we get with Mo Nene. But in a game like yesterday, where I and I said this earlier in a tweet, that where Fulham bypassed the midfield completely. They didn't play through the midfield. They didn't do any build-up, none of that. They went straight through the midfield and, and chucked it into Mitrovic, which is fair enough. That's your game plan. You didn't need Mo Nini there for the 70, you know, to, for the full game. What you needed was to probably, you could probably have switched it out and probably have, I know we won the game, but at that point it felt like we needed something different. And Mo Nini was fine in, in retaining the ball, moving it sideways, etc., but not really helping the team to move forward. It was always on to Erdegaard, and Erdegaard was moving up, but you could have had a Vieira or even an ESR. There are weapons on the bench, which I thought might have helped at that point. Granted, we did win, but at that point, you look at it and you think, oh, you do you really need him there? 
what's he doing? And I know Arteta is quite pragmatic in his approach and he prefers a, I need that defensive solidity first because we'd, we're at 1-1 and we need to you know keep what we have at the bare minimum. But there is a distinct drop in the level when when Party and and when Jacker, if both of them out, I think we are probably not half at half our what we kept our potential, but we're certainly more diminished. And actually, having Sinchenko out as well meant that you took out a further weapon in retaining the ball, which was a key thing. Is that I think what we looked at when we you know when we saw that news about Party, we thought okay, Sinchenko's going to come in the midfield and it's going to be still retain the ball, move it along, etc. When we lost that. With all due respect to, to El Nini, he can retain the ball, but he can't pass it forward. And, and we lacked that kind of variation in our forward passing and, and getting it forward quick enough. Well, this is the thing. The reason why I was uh, worried about it is because if the, if this is the, the squad in the midfield for the rest of the season, you know, playing Fulham, respectfully to Fulham, they've just been promoted, you would expect an Arsenal team with El Nini in it to be able to overcome them. And we did. But if it was a, you know, a much higher calibre opposition... I'm not so confident. Kate, coming to you, when the team w- was announced yesterday, and of course, you know, um, Thomas Party, sorry, is missing. First of all, how did you feel? You know, were you shocked, surprised, disappointed, scared? Uh, and then Mo Nenny, just your thoughts on him as a player? Yeah, I mean, seeing part, Party missing from the team, I think um, there were some rumours flying around beforehand that that might be the case. Um, I think Al Nenny came in, he did a, a solid job. I think we can always count on him to do that. He does have his moments. Um, I mean, for every sort of shocker he has, he does have a moment of greatness as well. Um, and I think having him sort of alongside Shaka in midfield is actually good for him. I think that influence that Shaka brings, um, that just sort of solidifies on any a little bit in, in the midfield. Um, I would worry if somebody like Shaka wasn't there with him. I think if if we were kind of relying on Elneny a little bit more to create, um, to me, that's not what he does. Um, as we've already said, he comes in and he'll put in a solid performance, but he's not going to bring anything particularly new to the table for us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I think Elneny gets a lot of slander and hate, and I'm, I don't always agree with it. Um, I think he definitely serves a purpose for us. He does a good job, but we do need sort of a more experienced player in that position for me. Yeah, I think you're right, Kate. I think some of the... Some of the um negative comments that he gets are, are a bit unfair and I, I was trying not to be critical of him yes and I tried to make that clear in the number of responses that I had about you know what game were you watching Fies like he was absolutely brilliant and it's like I wasn't trying to be critical I, I just know what Mo's limitations are like I know he's a good player and he plays to his strengths but what we need against superior opposition that will come later in the season is not what I think he offers and I think I feel like Kyle on this sorry him to cover you temporarily he doesn't actually do a lot wrong, El Nenny, but we've just got to do much better than him. And and when when Jacker and El Nenny are sorry, when Jacker and Party sorry, are not around, and you know we know that Jacker's going to pick up either by reputation or because of a brain fart moment, suspension or whatever in the season. Thomas Party, we know historically during his time at Arsenal, you know fitness wise, you just can't rely on him to play. There's no way he's going to play 50, 60 games this year. Put it that way. So for me, Mo El Nenny is more you know more of a regular player than than we probably think and want um and, and that's where my anxiety lies um sticking with you kate of course you know kieran tierney takes a lot of criticism as well uh i think people are very quick to sort of uh, write him off but he came back into the team yesterday how do you think he did 
Yeah, again, I think he he put in a solid performance. I think he he could probably just use a little bit more experience. Obviously, he hasn't been sort of in our regular starting lineup, and I think that probably did show in his performance quite a lot. Um, I I'm not sure. I think it will be hard for him to sort of cement that that spot back in the first eleven again. It, it, I'm not sure when he came in. He came in with sort of a real buzz, and he was very positive, and he he did really sort of prove his worth very quickly. I don't think we've seen quite as much of that from him recently, but could just be a lack of game time. I think the more he plays, the better he's going to gel with the team, and he's just not had that recently. Yeah, I think you've nailed it as well. But it's nice to have options. It's nice to have a defensive left back in Kieran Tierney. It's nice to have a a more progressive left back in Sinchenko, who is obviously technically just unbelievable. Uh, And of course, I'm really intrigued to see how Zinchenko does against better teams, better opposition. Let's talk about the game itself. So Yem coming to you first. Look, it was really in the nick of time. And we'll talk about the the passion from the players on the right-hand side from that image, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal, Sam, our good friend of the channel. Yem, uh, like you said, going into the game, we were confident. We revised our predictions based on that slightly different sort of lineup. Um, Go in goalless at halftime, come out in the second half, and then Mitrovic, you know, Gabriel's got the ball on the edge of our box, makes a horrendous mistake. Mitrovic pounces, scores. Now, this is a guy who scored 43 goals in 44 games in the championship last season, now has four in four this season. You don't really want to be giving him any chances, and he took it really well. So at 1-0, Yem, A, how are you feeling? And B, did you think we'd come back and win it? I I thought we would come back and win it, but I wasn't like super confident. The reason was that in this game, I, it was frustrating more than anything because we could see that we were creating up till the final third. And then in the final third, we were we were pretty poor, actually. You know, there were a couple of missed chances, a couple of balls that went, you know, awry corners that weren't really working it actually took and we're going to talk about this probably because it's your favorite subject obviously eddie and ketia i know it's coming it took eddie to come on to actually change the the mood of the game because i thought he was outstanding when he came on i thought his movement his physical hold-up play was actually really good as well it surprised me how much better he is i think him and gab and and jesus are starting to it it looks very reminiscent of how Jesus plays, you know, using his body, which is not the biggest, to good effect, backing in. And, and and his movement technique, he deserved a goal, actually. And he had two great chances, but he deserved a goal because I thought he he was probably the, the reason why we got, were able to pile on the pressure in the last few minutes. And I thought Erdegaard was outstanding as well. And I have been, look, I will take the, the you know, the pelters here because I did criticise him in the first two games. And I said, for his high standards... Erdogan should be doing better in the last two let, games. Let's, he just, has let's been. just sorry, yeah, I, I have to interrupt because I've got a slide on Erdogan, and we'll talk about Erdogan in just a second. His influence as captain, but let's let's fixate on Eddie and Ketia for a moment. Mm. Um, you're right, and and Kate as, as a new joiner to the to the to the firm and people watching maybe for the first time, I have been very openly critical about Eddie and Ketia. Um, a year two years ago, I just didn't see the player that he has now become, and I am absolutely ready to eat my fair share of humble pie believe me the end of last season the purple patch that you had I was really pleased to see him get the run in the team because he spoke openly about that in a different podcast he said look you know he wanted to just prove himself and have that run and he did really well um I was just nervous at this season that he would just come back you know return back to being like a cameo player maybe getting Europa League games cup games and I think it'd be difficult for someone like Eddie to just turn it on and off 
like a tap. But his physical development, uh, I also think his physical development is is immaculate. Like the guy looks bigger, stronger, physically more intimidating. Um, Gav Shiwar, good friend of the channel, described him on the phone in today as a wasp in a beer garden. He came on, caused an absolute nuisance, like dis disrupted everything, putting himself about running off the shoulder of defenders and just never stop moving. And that is a different Eddie and Ketty to what, to what I saw maybe even just a year ago. So I am ready. I am ready to accept uh, Eddie and I want him to absolutely smash it. And I just want obviously him to succeed, but I just didn't see it in him. So hopefully that's a, that's a, a reasonable enough sort of uh, apology. Um, but, but Kate, I mean, Eddie, the wasp, as, as Carl's just said in the chat, he came on and it was a bold substitution from Mikel, you know, left back goes off, Eddie comes on, Almost, you know, Arsene Wenger-esque desperation sort of, you know, uh, flashbacks of of those games where we used to sort of, you know, chase leads and then win them. But he was really good, wasn't he? Oh, he absolutely was. I mean, I think, as you said, bold move of Arteta to make that substitution in the first place. It's probably not something we would have seen in, in days gone by. Um, it's quite a, a sign of how the team is moving, I think, in, in, in the right direction forwards. I mean... It, to take Tierney off at that point of the game, for me, was the right decision, not only because I think Tierney's performance was probably starting to drop slightly, but Nketiah was exactly what the game needed. He came on, he did the job, and I think all credit to Arteta for, for making that call, really. He got it spot on. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> Akeen Ogbodo, FK, that's not enough. Respect our number 14. Uh, mate, honestly, I don't know what more I can say than... Like, I got it completely wrong. I just did not think Eddie Nketiah had this player in him. Yeah? Do you know what? Even the change from the end of last season to this season, there is a marked difference. He's lightning quick now. I just thought, you know, like when he was, when we were watching him, yes, I was like, Jesus Christ, he actually is rapid now. And he's, you got Jesus, who's outstanding. Eddie's not far off in terms of how much of a improvement he's made. The technique that when he brought the ball down and it looked like he was going to go for it, he should have gone with it with his left foot, but he went in with his right. Great technique. I think he's ready to, you know, step up and having a competition with Jesus is not going to be anything bad. I think this is going to be, I've seen enough now to say, look, he may not get 10 or 20 goals this season, but there's a build, there's a build up coming. He's only 22. And I can see the levels that are coming because he's got the physical development still to come even more physical development. He is, his work rate is outstanding. And he changed, the, he did change, and he changes the game, actually. When he comes on, he generally has changed the game. I have to say one thing about Eddie. Like, it's obviously, you know, the physical development, he's working hard, he's playing hard, he's applying himself really well. I also think from a tactical development, like, just hear me out, he, he seems more intelligent. Like, he knows when to run, when to press, when to trigger, how to press, like, there were games that I've seen in the past when he was much younger and, you know, perhaps even sort of pre-Arteta where he'd just sort of chase aimlessly, run without any sort of like yeah. intent or purpose. And, uh, you know, Arteta spoke about this uh, about a year ago when he talked about Gabby Martinelli, like he, he shouldn't just be a hundred miles an hour in every direction all the time. Like he needs to be really smart and go when, when the trigger is right, when the time is right. And I do feel that Eddie Nketiah is more intelligent. And I think that obviously comes down to a lot, yeah, a, a lot down to Mikel, of course. But also, you just said it, Yem, like being at London Colney in training every day with someone like Gabriel Jesus, who is just so good. Like if you think about Eddie Nketiah's mentors pre-Jesus, you know, you're looking at Lacazette, 
and you're thinking, okay, this is this is supposed to be the guy that's leading the club. This is supposed to be the 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 talent. You know, of course, Aubameyang had gone, um, but Jesus must be having the most insane impact on Eddie Nketiah, and he must be so inspiring. Well, I think he is. Do you know what I noticed yesterday? You know the backup play. You know what Jesus is really good at is backing onto the defender and making it awkward. He doesn't, and Eddie did that as well yesterday. Before it was balls bounce off him, and you know it 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 would fly off. The ball sticks w- much more now, and he. <laughs> I, I would not accept this poorly drawn. FK still hates Eddie. He told me in private. He told me that in private like, as well. You know what? I, I'm going to vouch for that. That's just, it, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> you guys are so mean. <laughs> DFC says Paulie John Arsenal, nice. And uh, here's one, Eddie Yemketia. Uh, I'll, I'll explain that to you another day, Kate. It's a very, very, very long story. Uh, Kate, uh, Eddie Yemketia for you. Uh, you know, obviously you, you talked about the the, the change that he made. Um, what's his ceiling? Because Josh, Josh sorts of asked that in the chat. And I think, hang on a second, just to cover you temporarily. Sorry, Kate. Josh is sort of saying, you know, what do we reckon Eddie's ceiling is? I mean, if I have to answer that, I just don't know. Like, this is a guy who I was calling garbage, like trash, like a year and a half, two years ago. And this guy is now an able, fit, strong deputy. Like, how good could he be, Kate? I mean, it's it's a really good question. I think you're right. It's not just you. Sort of towards the end of last season, we were all looking to wave goodbye to him, to be honest. Um, It had got to a bit of a point with Eddie where we thought we'd seen it all. Um, but now he's definitely proven us wrong. I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think probably a lot of that is the vote of confidence that he sort of had from Mikel um, in terms of sort of signing the new contract. He's been really sort of cemented into the club at this point, and Mikel clearly backs him, and that to me has really shone through in how he plays as well. Um, in terms of how far he could go, I don't know if he is going to end up as sort of a a Jesus type figure for us at Arsenal our expectations are very high clearly um hopefully we'll we'll sort of end the league in a good position this season whether he's able to then sort of carry us through in in future I'm not sure if if he's going to be quite there for us again happy to sort of take that back if he develops a little bit throughout the season um I don't know if he were to sort of go to maybe one of the clubs sort of slightly lower down the league. I think he would be great for them. I think there's no question that he could go in and absolutely reel the goals in for another team. Whether that's Arsenal, I'm not sure. Um, but I think we still have a lot to see from him. And it's really good to see that he is he's really finding his flow. And he's clearly an important part of the team as well. The fact he could come on and just sort of make that impact alongside Jesus. It says a lot about him as a player and his sort of how he gels into the team. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, do you know what? It is a very difficult question and perhaps, what, you know, an unfair of, uh, unfair of me to just sort of put you on the spot like that because, look, nobody knows really his ceiling. Uh, there are, of course, Eddie Ultras in the chat who know that he's going to be uh, the next Ian Wright. But I kind of agree with you, Kate. I don't know if he's ever going to be the main man at Arsenal. Uh, not that he's ever sort of put that out there, like I need to be the main man or not. But Gabriel Jesus looks like he's a shoe in for that. But Enketia, you know, to, to be that sort of understudy, to be the, the main guy when we need a goal, when we need to change something, depending on an in-game scenario, he looks really good. And and I think you're right. I think for a maybe a slightly smaller, respectfully team, he could be the main man. Um I do want to talk about, uh, obviously, celebrations and Odegaardian, which I'm going to come on to. But just look at the passion on the right-hand side. The game obviously meant a lot to us. And we've got that, you know, Gabriel's poked home in the very last minute. 
when we conceded Yem, one nil down, I'm thinking, oh, crap, 25 minutes to go. I'm just not sure because you you never quite know how the team is going to react. Erdegaard, we have to say, a little bit fortunate. You know, he's taken the shot. It's taken a deflection. It's beaten Leno, who I thought was playing actually all right for that game. When the corner kick came in at the right at the end, I mean, there were two or three corners before that, Yem, when Marcelli was just floating them into Leno, floating them into Leno. Leno was clean catching them every time. And I looked at you and said, what are the point of these corners? And then the, the very last corner he did was slightly shorter towards the near post. Leno's fumbled it under pressure from William Saliba. And, and let's face it, all of us, you know, six foot four giant climbing up on us. I think we'd all be flawed as well. And then, of course, Gabriel poking it home. I mean, Yem, you lost your mind at that moment. <laughs> tell, everyone tell did. everyone that. did. Tell us about Come that on. experience, man. You wouldn't be a fa- if you weren't there and you didn't lose your mind, then you should be outside. Then don't come to the games. What's the point? Um, no, because do you know what? It was it was disappointing when Gabriel. You know, it was Gabriel made the mistake. He tried to overplay it, and he got caught by Mitrovic, who we all know was on him. Like it was it was a physical battle that day. We knew what was coming with Mitrovic. Physical battle. And it turned out to be that way. Um, so when the goal, when he conceded the goal, his head dropped. You could see it literally. But then you saw Erdegaard. Do you know what? Again, we'll talk about it. But Erdegaard came to him straight away and said, just raise the level. And also the fans. Again, credit to the fans this season. Love it. Love it at the Emirates. Raising their voices, just saying, come on, let's get going. Not the, uh, uh, raising their voices, getting. And actually, do you know what? I think there was a tweet out saying the the, the level raise also clearly raised the team, and it did. That's what we should be doing. That's what the fans are there for. That's why you create this kind of cacophony of noise, to raise the team up, and we did. It kept going and going. And actually, despite the the, the Erdogan deflected effort, I thought it was justified in terms of we kept pushing, 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 knocking on the door, knocking. Sometimes you get a bit of luck. That's what good teams have. No team goes through without you know having a deflected shot or a crappy shot that goes in. And then the goal, you know, we, we we all held our breath a little bit when they flashed up the VAR and you're like, oh geez, because you knew because you know Arsenal and VAR we never. I, I, I couldn't quite let myself go like a hundred percent. I mean, I was celebrating while he was behind us on the chairs, like screaming like a child. It was in, it was beautiful to see, but just part of me, like I just I I, I sort of turned to him and said, was it off, it was it offside? And of course, and then I remembered it was a corner, and then I thought there's got to be some sort of a hand pop, handball yeah, or a shirt pull, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, yeah, but then, of course, it, once that was cleared, euphoria. Once it cleared, do you know what? It was it was amazing, the euphoria. And then, obviously, everyone started with the whole, take your time, Leno, take your time now. You know, you could do what you like, you know. And it, it's awesome because – but then, obviously, you still tense because there's still, like, two or so minutes where Fulham are just chucking it forward, chucking it forward, Mitrovic. What I also loved was Mitrovic was the villain of the piece almost. He came up to the referee and was like, what, what happened? What happened, ref? Why are you giving it – it was awesome. It had everything. Do you know what? We love humans generally, as a human, you love getting the drama, the intrigue, something that you can latch onto. And Mitrovic gave it in spades. Someone that everyone got, got on, he got on everyone's backs. And when he became the villain of the piece, i.e., that we, you know, we were winning, everyone was giving it to him large. And it it was it was awesome. I it was a it wasn't like a, a, a four or five nil where you're like, oh, it's amazing football and all this, but it had the drama and you that's what you go for. That's what you that's what your heart desires, you know. We, we, it's not, un, it's uncomfortable, but my God, does it? It makes you feel good when you've when you've won in that manner, and you can see it on the players' faces. And we'll talk about that, you know. Absolutely. I mean, John Pinder says, "I love seeing Mitrovic 
getting oh. so salty. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned the perfect word, villains. Um, you talk about us being human beings and us losing our minds. Uh, I've just moved forward in the slide deck, as you guys can see, if you're listening on Spotify and audio uh, and other audio platforms, I want to talk about the celebration police. So there's a picture here of the team going absolutely nuts at Gabrielle's winner, who looks another Thierry Henry knee slide. Wonderful. Uh, Richard Keys. <laughs> Of course, uh, former Sky Sports uh, host now with BN Sports. He and Andy Gray were very critical of Arsenal fans and Mikel Arteta and the players for over-celebrating. Um, I'm going to phrase, but the quotes were something like, it's only Fulham, it's 2-1 at home, they've not won a cup, they've not won the league, and look at them. Uh, you can see William Saliba lost his mind. Uh, he is, uh, of course, a boyhood Arsenal fan, and for him to see that, the North Bank going absolutely bananas would have been just the most incredible feeling. And, of course, the boss, look how happy he is. Lucy, I want to come to you. You might have read, of course, a lot today on social media about celebration police, as it were. Um, how do you react to what we've i've just talked about I mean, have you seen the have you seen the richard keys sort of audio have you have you talked about it with your mates like how does it make you feel when you see that it's never nice to hear is it it's um it just sort of takes the shine off to be honest and as we've alluded to i think you're not a fan if you don't celebrate these these sort of results you're not a true fan um to me as well, it's not really a reflection of, of the scoreline um, that we were celebrating. It's more sort of the story behind the game and sort of the, the place we find ourselves in as a team right now. It's We've been on a journey. <laughs> we've been on a journey with this team, especially with the documentary coming out too. We've seen sort of behind the scenes. We're seeing all our youngsters develop and seeing that pay off in person is, that is what makes you want to celebrate like that. It's not just, oh, it's too wonderful to follow. It's, it's way deeper than that to me. And to be honest, seeing people sort of criticise and say that we perhaps shouldn't be celebrating in that way, that's just a sign that, that Arsenal are back. <laughs> and I think people people don't like to see it, you know? If, if we're doing well, then we're going to celebrate. And if people don't like that, then that's their problem as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah, you're quite right. There's a lot of comments and support in for in the chat in terms of what you're saying. I mean, Yen, would you would you echo those sentiments? I mean, do you, do you do you really care what people say about us going nuts when we score a goal and win a game? I don't care. I don't like what I think it's wrong to because you're discounting fans in general and the emotions and humans in general. I'm sorry if you. I'm sure if the commentator went to his favourite team and they scored a last minute winner, would he react the same? Of course he would. Stop. Stop kidding yourself. We're human beings. If you don't feel for your team, then why are you supporting them? Don't don't watch football. Don't watch any sport because that's why we do it. We get emotional attachments. We are emotionally attached to our club and this team. That's why that's why we cheer them. That's why we, you know, why the noise raises. We're not robots, and you can't expect footballers to be either. I find it, I find it really weird when they say you shouldn't be over celebrate or you should do this or you should do that. Players aren't robots. They're human beings who feel we've all played football. And even when we score a, you know, a goal in the park last minute, everyone gets emotional and cheers. And when you've, when you've worked hard in a game and you've scored a last minute winner, why would you not want to see your players getting excited? That means they're actually human. They have, they have worked hard for the game. They've been trying. It means something to them. Yeah, I take it on board from Richie Key. It's not, it, it's not the FA Cup or something like that. But it's a game in which you've toiled and you've you've sweated, you've put in hard work and you've won. I'm sure the players know it's nothing but a three points against Fulham. 
but that doesn't discount the emotion of the of the of the moment. I think it's really poor act, and it's poor. It, it, it's poor commentary from. Let's be honest, a bunch of has-beens. They're not really relevant. They're relevant in the middle. No, I'm sorry. Who are Richard Keys and Andy Gray anymore? I remember they had a bit of a a, a bit of a problem a couple of years ago, and then they jogged off to to on being sports. So why am I caring? What I don't like is when people think, you know, any football team should not be celebrating. I wouldn't be telling, you know, someone else, you know, would you tell the Fulham fans when they beat, when they drew with um, Liverpool, sorry, don't celebrate that. You haven't done anything. So my take, it, my, my take on it is that um, I think there is a real purpose now amongst the Arsenal fans in terms of unity. And I think this sort of thing really br- brings us closer together. I actually love the way that the Arsenal fans have reacted to this on social media. Look, of course, there are there are the, the sophisticated, intelligent ones that are like, you know, this is just clickbait and we've just fallen for it. I get that. But football is an emotional and very passionate sport. And when you're in the stadium, and I'm just speaking for me, and of course, you know, you, Yem, because you stand next to me, you have the pleasure of doing that. Um, winning the game in that manner, to come back from a goal down in the second half, and it's the first time we've done that since December 2013, might I add, to score two goals, and to win it in the 86th, 87th minute and for the remontada by Gabriel to kind of, you know, after he made the mistake and then he's come back and obviously won the game. Uh, you, I mean, it's fairy tale stuff. Like, I know it's only Fulham. I know it's just a Premier League game. I know it's just the fourth week, fourth game day of the Premier League, but you live for moments like that. You know, you live for the euphoria. Like you're, if Kate's at home, I'm sure you're or at a pub or whatever. I'm sure you're like, you're standing you're on your feet, you're biting your nails. You're, you know, you're urging the team on, screaming at the telly. You and I, yeah, you know, we're hurling all sorts of, all sorts of words to the opposition, uh, to, to the ref. To, we're trying to claim every kick, free kick, whatever. And when that ball comes in and goes into the back of the net, you lose yourself. And it's 60 seconds, 90 seconds of unbelievable it's a pandemonium and I love it. Uh, but I, what I would say is that look, they're going to keep writing these things. They're going to keep um, singling out Arsenal and it's just uniting a fan base that is so behind this process already. Go on, yeah. but, but any football, I guarantee you next week, when if there is an unforeseen result with one of the, say Fulham or Nottingham Forest beat X, Y, or Z, a big club, look at those fans celebrate. They should f- celebrate all this. Oh, it's only three points. They won't say it yet it's because it's not. No, no, exactly. No, because that's the, but again, I come back to it's human nature. As, as we said, people in the pub, you know, when you've got this kind of situation, you are, if you're, unless you're a robot, you are naturally going to celebrate. You're going to naturally have that outburst of emotion. What are you supposed to do? Just go, well, it's only three points and I'll just stand here and be unemotional about my team scoring a goal that has got us to the top of the table. No. I'm going to let myself. I'm. I've, you know, invested my t- my time into watching them under a pressure situation, and I'm going to let myself go. That's what everyone. I don't see anyone in the stadium or anyone at home going, you know, being, you know, you know, you know. You lost. Compliant. You lost for words, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because I don't. I, I don't understand. You know, being. You know, within themselves, everyone loses themselves. You know, whether we're in front of the TV, and I've done it plenty of times on away games when I've when I've when I've shattered, and my my daughter looks at me and goes, "What?" But that's, that's you get a lot. Of, you get a lot of love in the comments. One comment just caught my eye uh, from Nathan Barnes. The funniest part yesterday was a steward yeah. thinking Sinchenko was a pitch invader. <laughs> um, there is there is there is a wonderful video going around of Sinchenko being the sort of 
this child on the bench like getting yeah. up and off and 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 kate i want to come to you you're nodding so i'm assuming you've seen that video that's gone around. i think i tweeted it from the latte firm account today where he's just on his feet every decision he's shouting he's fighting and the goal as soon as he scores the winner he's off and he's down the touchline by the corner flag when you're watching it on tv kate are you thinking oh cheesy or are you thinking unbelievable what a guy I love to see it. I think that is the exact attitude that we've been needing. And for Zinchenko to come in here, he's still obviously very new to the club. And for him to be reacting in that way, it just shows how invested he is in us and sort of the emotions that go through him as well, sort of with, with the game. Um, I really like that he displayed that as well. And I'm really happy to see that he's been getting a lot of love on social media for it. I think he's a great player as well. So on and off the pitch, big tick from me for Zinchenko. Absolutely. And Anne's 14 says Sinchenko and Saliba are taking over Arsenal Hearts. I mean, Saliba lost himself. Loved like, if you, if, it. Loved that. If you that was awesome. Him, there's, there's a non-Sky Sports clip going round of Saliba like running up to the corner flag right in the in the camera face. It's, it's just awesome. fabulous you know to see. It's how, it's how you will feel. And do you know what? What I loved about Sinchenko is he could have easily, look, with all due respect, party wasn't there. And you wouldn't expect a player to be in the on the, you know, on the sidelines or even watching, you know, when they're, some, most players, you know, don't go to the game. But he was there right in the dugout. He, he said, look, I'm going to come, because he's also an Arsenal fan. Zinchenko is an Arsenal fan. So he's got that extra oomph about him. And I loved it. I loved that he was there. He didn't think about, oh, I'll go home and I'll just watch it on TV, be done with that. He said, I'm going to be here and I want to support my teammates and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a fan effect. And he was, and he is a fan. You know, I think he, we all know that. And Saliba, again, he's a fan as well. But the reaction was, <laughs> it's unreal. He, you know, GFFN, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're crying about that he, he wants to go back to Marseille so desperately, really desperate. Where are you, GFFN? You know, he doesn't look unhappy at all, does he? Uh, Freddie Preston says the togetherness and the culture of the team is one of Arteta's biggest credits. And talking about togetherness, a key person who is obviously instrumental to all of that is, of course, club captain Martin Odegaard. Now, I haven't picked this deliberately because you're on the show, Yem. Uh, but, <laughs> but I do want to ask you, um, so Odegaard obviously celebrating there. And what I loved about oh. Odegaard's celebration yesterday was he scores the goal. And it's a very modest celebration. Like he doesn't just go wheeling away into the corner flag. Like it's like geeing up the troop, geeing up the fans, geeing up the troops. He goes over and he taps Gabriel on the head after his equalise and, and, and almost like a message of, look, we're back in this, mate. Head up. We'll go on and win this in the next sort of 20 minutes. Um, you can see an image there again, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. As soon as Erdegaard, as soon as William Saliba made that mistake against Leicester and put into his own net, Erdegaard was one of the first players over to him to kind of say, look, you know, head up. Same thing again yesterday. Gabriel makes a mistake. Ramsdale's got his arms open like, what the hell is going on? And Erdogan's like, come on, man, just just keep going. Has he surprised you, Yem, as a captain? Of course, Kate, I'll come to you as well for your opinions. But has he surprised you? And the reason why I'm coming to you first, Yem, is because you were, I don't want to say critical, but I think you just you just expect more from him. You said a couple of games ago that you wanted him to score more goals, be more influential, take the game by the scruff of the neck. The second half yesterday, the last 45 minutes in particular of that game, he did exactly that. Oh, no, he did it through the whole game, actually. I thought he was outstanding yesterday. Um, no, I I am, I am was critical of Odegaard in the first two games for that reason, that I have high expectations of him because I've seen what he can do, what he's been, and what his attributes are. The other thing, piece about him, which we didn't mention, Faisal, is that Arteta, Odegaard came directly over to Arteta to get tactical changes. 
He only trusts two people in that to do that, and that's Xhaka and him. He has got, you know, he he's a very calm person. We've seen that when he talks, but he's also thinking ahead. And he knew as well when when Mitrovic was winding up, there were a couple of aggressive, you know, Fulham came out aggressive. That's the nature of the game. And there are moments where Gabriel was getting a bit heated. He and he has that in him. But Erdegaard came over and just said, look, slow it down. I think Xhaka did as well. Just don't get don't get riled up. Keep it calm. Because Erdegaard doesn't do that either. He gets he stays calm. And we needed that yesterday. The, the way he was carrying the ball through the midfield, creating chances, moving it, getting everyone up, getting the fans up as well. You could see when the corner, when he won the corner, he was like, come on, get the noise going. Because he knew what was happening. That was a captain's performance yesterday. I thought his contribution was outstanding. The goal, look, maybe as I said, deflected, but I don't care. That's that's him making the chance. He cut inside and he had the shot. You don't, you know, he was creating chances left, right, and centre. He was creating problems. He was moving the ball effectively through through their midfield. He was the key man. He was my man in the match. And I've said it. He 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 needs to be more consistent. This kind of performance is what I want. I want this at Aston Villa. I want this against Man United. I want it every game because I know what he's capable of. He is he can be the difference maker. He is the difference maker. Yesterday he was as well. By a mile, he was the difference maker. And I want that consistency. I want him to be the weapon. The, you know, we have the tip of the spear in Gabriel Jesus, but he's the one throwing it effectively because he's the one who can dictate the play. That's where his job is. And we can do that with him, Gabriel Jesus, Martinelli, Saka. He's got the tools. He just needs to keep the consistency because there are games, and I have said it, where he looks like a ghost but he hasn't for the last two games. Now I want to see it in, you know, we've got big games coming up where we need him to be at his best to deliver, you know, those kind of performances again and again. I think you can just drop the mic there, Yem. That was uh, that was beautiful and passionate. Uh, lots of nice comments coming in about Erdegaard being captain. Uh, lots of nice comments coming about uh, coming in about your, your passionate rant there, Yem. But Kate, coming to you, I mean... Um, when he first arrived, of course, he came on that six-month loan deal. Then he, then we sort of signed him. Um, did you think he had this ceiling in him, Kate? Like, did you realise he'd be this good? Because people are waxing lyrical about him. He's now getting goals amongst his games. He's been the, you know, the, the one player that's covered the most distance in many of our games. So he's working hard off the ball. I mean, again, like, just tell us how you feel when you watch Martin Odegaard. And, and, and is this as good as it's going to get? I've always, always been a big fan of Erdegaard. Um, someone said it in the comments, actually, and I completely agree. He shows real flashes of Erzul, Um, and I'm talking sort of the peak Erzul, perhaps not the Erzul that we we have seen. Um, I think Erdegaard's just, he's a playmaker in every sense of the word, really. He, he is the one that creates our chances. He is just instrumental in everything we do on the pitch. Um, Without that influence, I just don't think this team would would be able to sort of progress forwards. And to see him really come through and to to have the captain's armband as well, again, it's just a vote of confidence from Arteta. And he's just taken that and ran with it. His maturity is on the pitch. You can he he looks like a player who's sort of way beyond his years in terms of experience. And off the pitch as well, sort of when you when you see even the influence actually that he had with with Gabrielle. Um, and his ability to sort of get through to him and bring his head back and that relationship with the crowd as well. It's just the captain's performance just all around, really. And I, I'm just really happy to see it. 
he came to us and when we had him on loan, he did really show sort of some flashes of brilliance. Again, he, he was playing quite an, an Urzel-esque game, should we say. Um, so I was definitely delighted to see him back when he signed full time and to see him sort of become the centre of this team. I, I just think it's great. And who knows that there, there could be more to come from him. It'd be great to see maybe a couple of goals, but I just think what he does sort of in terms of creating those chances and just sort of uh, picking out players, his, his vision is just incredible. And we don't have anyone that can match that in the team. I will say as well, sorry, sorry, Fize. Yes. So as you said, Kate, getting more goals is key for him because he can, he's got a great, I've kept saying it multiple times. He's got a great shot on him. He's got the technique. And yesterday, what I saw was he was more prepared to take those shots. I could see he was winding up for a few of them. So that's what I want to see. He can be the difference maker. He did it, you know, he's done it in the past few games against Bournemouth. He had a great, you know, great shots. And I think yesterday as well, again, it was a scuffed effort, but he had the chance at least. At least he went for it. It doesn't matter that it was it was a deflection. At least if, if you have the shot, you never know what's going to happen. And it changed the game for us because it gave us the confidence to go on. That you're prepared to take those shots and not pass it off because obviously we remember what happened against Crystal Palace. There are moments where we, you know, I think he's realised as well, look, I want to be more in the in the influence of the game. I want to be the one taking... He's even admitted it. And the way... Goals will change the game. Yesterday it did. And I think there are more games to come where we're going to need him to be that one. Free kicks, running into the box late, etc. We need that kind of, you know, goal-scoring mentality from an Erdegaard. I'm going to say something. Sorry, go on, Kate. No, no, no problem. Not to sort of compare him to Ozil again, but I think that's probably something we've lacked in days gone by. We haven't had a player that's been able to sort of finish those chances off. If they are a creator, they've stuck to creating. Um, but Erdegaard is the real difference for me. Um, and I think a lot of that probably comes down to Arteta and the way he's just sort of instilled this confidence within the team. Erdegaard knows he can go forward and he knows that he can finish those chances off. And as you say, I think it would just be great to see a little bit more of it. But that obviously doesn't take away from, from sort of the great work he's doing on the pitch as it is. I was kind of going to add that, Kate, but you've done it even better than I sort of imagined. Treacherous Tiger says, Erdegaard isn't just our captain, he's dictator. Sets the tempo for everyone on the team. And look, my thoughts on Erdegaard are, I'm going to make something, a bit of an obvious statement here, that I think he can get better. Like, he's still a young boy. The fact that he's got the captain's armband is, I think, going to add to just the confidence that he's going to have. Like, he's been given now free 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 license to basically dictate games like the club believe in him the gaffer believes in him you've got the weight of that of that armband on your arm just just fly man that's what i want to see him do uh, yem you 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 used a really nice word to kind of describe how i felt and it was about just being a ghost in some games uh, you know I, I don't want to say big games because he has played really well in in some big games and scored against some big teams but every now and again he just has a lapse in i don't know motivation sharpness whatever application and, you know, Newcastle towards the end of last season springs to mind like he, he just went missing. I want him to do exactly what Treacherous Tiger has just said in the chat. You know, be the dictator, influence the game, take it by the scruff of the neck and set the tempo for everybody else. Lead the team. And everything that I've seen from Martin Odegaard this season 
is just uh, uh, fabulous. I want to see more of that. He's scoring goals. He's arriving in the box with conviction. He's working hard off the ball, on the ball. He's doing all the right things that a captain should do. The high fives, the whispering into a player's ear, the the taps on the head once, you know, once there's moments of um, adversity. Like, I love what I'm seeing, Erdegaard. And I just, you know, I hope that you, you can take this team to another level. Go on, Yem. I know you're chomping at the bit to say something. No, I think when he does lose, when he, when he is becoming a bit of a ghost, is when there are teams who press us heavily. And that's maybe a, a, a learning experience about, you know, you, you may not be able to have the time that you need, but you've got the technique. Martin Erdegaard has got the technique to bypass the press. And he needs to be able to think about that a bit more and get those goals because he's not going to get it through his passing ability in those games because the press is, come, you know, there are teams who are press machines. A Liverpool, for example. Liverpool is a perfect example because he, go, he went missing in the games we had against him last season. But what he is clever at is clever movement and, you know, little flicks and things like that to make sure that we continue our movement. And that's what he's got to realise, that he doesn't need to be in every game just, you know, the 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 maestro and dictate the play. But little things will always help move the team up the pitch because the game changes. Per opponent, I'm expecting a different game against Aston Villa. It may be comfortable. It may be a very pressing game. But again... Erdegaard has the weapons, and I know this, and that's why I'm harsh on him in the games where he goes missing, that he can make the difference, not just with his, with his, you know, passing, etc., but with his movement and the way he can flick the ball in, and his awareness of where players are. Yeah, I'm in trouble. I love that username every time. Reminds me of Sesk. Uh, when Sesk started delivering the end yeah. product, he was levels yesterday. He absolutely was. And look, Sesk is one of my favourite players. And yeah, you mentioned the word maestro. I don't think he's quite yet at the Sesk uh, level where Sesk used to just take a game by the scruff and yeah. just flip and deliver every time. And of course, in the biggest games. But I'm really excited about what I see. And just a final touch here. Um, Nikomo says, just realise what FK did on the title. Those O's. Mate, I'm not just a pretty face, you know, I, I, I prep these slides, I use my creative juices, and when we talk about Erdogan, I just carry, get carried away. Right, we've just gone over the hour mark, so we're going to finish on uh, the departure lounge update, and of course the last few days of the transfer window. 700 of you watching live right now, that is insane and greatly appreciated please do drop a like on this video subscribe to the channel if you're new and if you like what you see and of course as you can see as the ticker going along the bottom please do vote for latte firm as best new content creator at the football content awards um the channel's been going for over a year now we've we've reached 17,000 subscribers we're on the road to 20 i want to win it uh we shortlisted last year didn't get to win it no shame unbelievable content creators out there and of course there's only about five weeks old at the point but uh yeah do take a moment to vote either at the website or on twitter um and of course follow wonderful guests kate is at cake lh and yem is at verge 59 um yem you've seen this before oh no gosh how have i done that oh yeah <laughs> arteta the centurion right we'll spend just a few minutes on this i mean look Mikel arteta the gaffer has reached 100 premier league games in charge that image on the left hand side is courtesy of uh, now underscore arsenal the image uh, in the middle there at the top courtesy of match of the day our first 50 games under Mikel Arteta in the league he amassed 75 points and then our second 50 games we've amassed 100 points and then the image from Sky Sports on the right hand side at the bottom uh, just showing him in comparison to Mr Arsene Wenger and of course George Graham two legends of the club Kate 100 Premier League games for Mikel um how do you think his reign's been so far without sort of getting carried away and thinking about the rest of this season? But do you like what you see? Are we on the right track? Is he the right man? 
I have full confidence in Arteta. Um, seeing his development sort of since he's come from City, I think he's obviously learned a lot under Pep and he's now able to apply that knowledge, which he, he didn't probably have the opportunity to do that before. And he's just been able to make this team his own. Um, seeing in the All or Nothing documentary as well, he just has a natural flair for, for being a manager, I believe. And the way he's able to sort of affect the mentality of the team, it's quite special. I don't think there's a lot of managers that are able to sort of have that level of, of a bond really with the team that they have. Um, it's really clear to me that the players all respect Arteta um, and he's been able to win over the fans too. He's had a lot of critics, um, but now sort of seeing seeing the team progress, seeing the journey that we're going on, I think he has definitely won more and more people over. So I'm really confident in him. Um, I think there's some good things to come. Who knows? Um, but yeah, definitely. I think we can't go wrong if we've got Arteta at the helm. Yeah, I want to come to you as well. Uh, there's a comment here that's just raced past me, uh, but I thought it was an exceptional comment. And it was about the number of goals. Um, sorry, I've lost it. Uh, we've we've scored more goals in, in Mikel Arteta's first 100 games than Arsene Wenger. And when you think about Mikel Arteta having to put up with Lacazette for a good six months, I don't know how many Premier League games have played in that space. That's actually blown my mind. And, and we, what, we finished because, eight twice? That's yeah, because because last year we we had the lowest scoring you know goals total that we've had for a long time. Yeah, so it must mean that so so it must mean that the seasons beforehand, yes, they were. You know, we were we were better at scoring. I mean, I, I think we have we I think more fans are fully invested in Arteta now because there's there's a a clear direction in what's happening and people could see progress. I will say that I I like Arteta, but I think there are areas of his game he still needs to work on. I think. His management of big personalities we've seen is still an issue because obviously if there are problems, then I think he's, he's very black or white. You're either in or out. Maybe that's not the best way considering sometimes, you know, the squad needs, you know, we need that squad in entirety if it's not in a transfer window. I also think that as well, his substitutions do, to, you know, when he affects the game does frustrate me, but that's maybe just me. I know it frustrates you as well because yesterday, for example, the subs didn't come on till like, I think Eddie and Ketia came first about 65 and then it was like 85 before anyone else came. And it was, you were going, what? Come on. Yeah, I, I'm smiling at that. And okay, you probably feel the same. And I, I know a number of our viewers will, but I, I just get the feeling that Arteta leaves it a touch too late to make subs. And it's, it's um, only because we've got, you know, the five sub rule. So you can bring on five substitutes on three separate occasions, if you, if you get what I mean. Um, but yeah, like yesterday, it was just like, it goes back to the mo on any point. And I, I know I look stupid because we won the game and it's four out of four. I get it. But it just like, I'm just watching the clock sometimes. And I'm like, come on, Mikel, just, just make that change. Like just, you know, it's now we're crawling into 65, crawling into 70, 75. And it's like, come on, Mikel, how do you expect a player to come on like with 15 minutes to go and make an impact? But look, so far what he's doing, it's working well. And I think there's lots of comments in the chat about, of course, you know, he's generational and he's a good manager and he's, he's making this team likable, but he did, you know, he's had a lot of, he inherited a really dysfunctional setup and he's changing everything top to bottom. And he's implementing this culture that is honest, professional, you know, based on merit. And I just love it. 
I, I love everything about he, it, and I, I just I, hope he, you know, hope he smashes it here at Arsenal. Go on, Yim. I, I will say he has had four seasons now. If we didn't see this progress this season, yeah. But the, if uh, let's be honest, everyone here, will, you know, and I think everyone in the chat will can say it. If there wasn't the progress that's being seen and the visible progress, I think serious questions would have been asked about: Is it really? Is he really the one? Because there's progress. I think we do see it, and I think fans are on board with that. But he's had now. He's had something that a lot of our, you know, a lot of the managers previously did not have: the backing. Because he's had 300 million spent, and there's and there may be more. He's had the time as well. In the modern Premiership, there is no time. So Arsenal have been understanding that there's time because he's a new manager as well and he needs to get his ideas over and also there's a lot of problems within the squad in terms of you know what's going on but I respect what he was you know look you know I love Arteta because when he was a player when he was a player for us I loved when he signed you you know you remember on that transfer deadline day when we signed him I I loved that he's been a great he's always been a great servant to Arsenal a model professional and then when he transitioned to the management I thought okay Fantastic. We've got him. But I also am aware of his shortcut. And I'm sure he is as well. He knows what he has to improve on. There are some areas where he needs to. But this is, again, it, people are seeing the, 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 you know, the progress. And I think that's the thing that everyone's on board with, that we, are, we don't know where we're going to end up this season. But there is, at least we're not, we're not dealing with the issues that we've had in the previous, you know, where we finished eighth. We all knew what the problems were. We are, we're not signing players who are coming in for a paycheck. So there, I think there's a lot to to admire about Arteta. I think there's work to do, and he knows that probably. But you know, if you if you're not seeing the progress, then I don't think it's worthwhile supporting Arsenal because, again, there's visible progress. It's not just oh we've finished fifth. No, there's a visible progression from this seat end of last season to this season. The way we're playing, the movement, the players we brought in. And we know that we're looking at extra. He's not. He's been very clear. I want more. And I think people are getting frustrated that oh, Arteta and Edu are not doing anything. They're not doing anything in the window. They're not getting what we need. It's not that. It's the financials, and it's that the market is spiraling out of control. When you're paying a hundred million for a six-goal, four-assists winger from the Dutch Eredivisie, that's ridiculous. You cannot put this money. It, it, the, the physical is astronomical. And I actually respect Arteta and Edu for holding fire and not being drawn into this game because it's ridiculous. Yem's on a mad one tonight. Um, right. <laughs> no, actually, the I... Anthony one has just stoked me completely because I, I don't understand it, honestly. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, well, there's a couple of a couple of messages that I do want to highlight. Ibby B, I've not meant, I've not missed either of them. I've saved them until now. Uh, first of all, thank you so so much for your kind generation to the channel. It is really appreciated. Um, he says, finally tried some coffee last week. A latte. He'd never had a coffee, by the way, guys. Ibby had never ever had a coffee in his life. The rumours are in fact true. Delicious. Guna since 2008. The atmosphere is something that I've never felt before. Hope we celebrate it even more than Villa. Ibi B also goes on to say, I want to go to the Emirates just once to feel that euphoria. Well, Ibi, I don't know where you're watching from around the world uh, or if you ever get, you know, if you're close to London or England and if you ever get a chance to come, I will make sure that I can get uh, you a ticket to a game and uh, it would be a pleasure to meet you because I know you've been a long-standing fan of the channel uh, it would be uh, a, a privilege to be able to, to spend some time with you. Um, loads of comments coming in about transfer stuff. Look, there's a few days to go before the transfer deadline um, comes. 
Tomorrow, I have a breakdown of the game from yesterday from a journalist perspective and, of course, a transfer window. Watts. Mr. Watts will be joining me tomorrow afternoon at 1pm. Uh, I think we're going to call it a night because we've gone just over the hour mark. May I thank everybody for watching. There are still 700 of you watching live right now, which is great. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, Yem, may I thank you at Verge59. People can find you there if they want to hurl abuse at you or, or talk about your beard. Cheers, mate. There's been a about lot of that. nice talk about your beard tonight. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we'll be back in the week, I'm sure. And Kate, thank you so much for a wonderful debut on The Firm. Have you enjoyed it? Thank you. I have. I definitely have. Thanks. Good. Well, I would be most offended if you didn't return at some point, but uh, hopefully we can get you back on. And if anybody wants to follow Kate, she is at CakeLH. Well, look, there we have it. Arsenal have beaten Fulham by two goals to one. We are top of the league, four wins out of four. It's Aston Villa on Wednesday night. Hopefully we can make it five out of five. So until then, and until the breakdown tomorrow, it's bye for now. 